Okay, are we ready? Also, thanks for filming this. I really appreciate it. So a while back, I went into my boss's office and asked for a raise, and he said, when pigs fly. So I tried several different things to make it happen, but nothing really worked. And that's when I decided I need to do some serious training. The first thing I knew I needed to do was get the right kicks. So I got some Air Jordans. Then I decided to get into shape. I started small at first, walking through cones and jumping over small curbs, you know, to get the calf muscles growing. Then I thought if I was going to stay in the air for any period of time, I needed to work on my cardio. I know it's only been a couple of weeks of training, but I'm feeling confident that today is the day. So I invited my boss and all of my coworkers to come to witness history in the making. Thank you all for your time. Like the email said, I called you all here today to show you that pigs can indeed fly. And with a little bit of hard work, you too can achieve your dreams. So without further ado, here it goes. Wow, this is a little higher than I thought. All right, let's do this. I'm doing it. I'm So, is that a no on the raise? Ah, uh, you gotta love an 80s montage with a talking pig. It's gonna be a good weekend, you know? So, hey, most folks don't know this about me, but I grew up in my earliest years as a really, really young kid. I grew up in the great states of Georgia and Tennessee. Some of you have heard that referred to. That part of our country normally is called the South, but maybe you've heard it called um, the Bible Belt. Because everybody around there, man, we all love Jesus. We all go to church. It's just, it defines the culture that down, down in that area. In fact, when you meet somebody, if you move to the Bible Belt and you meet somebody new, everybody always asks not, do you go to church? They ask where you go to church because we all go to church around here, y'all. And so I, I think about that. For me, growing up in that area of our country, in the Bible Belt, and for me, growing up as a pastor's kid in the Bible Belt, that led to some, uh, some crazy and some weird stories. Like, for example, there was, there was one year the church that we were at at the time, they wanted to put on a really realistic um, Easter play. They wanted to tell the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so they put a lot of energy and effort into the props, into the stage designs. They put a lot of effort into, into the makeup to, for some of those kind of harder to watch scenes, right? They wanted this to be really realistic. And that's, that's fine. That's something you would do at, in the Bible Belt at a church. Um, the strangeness began because uh, it started when my dad, who was the youth pastor of that church at the time, um, my dad was cast to play the role of Jesus. So that was a big deal in our house. Yeah. But then on top of that, the weirdest part, the strangest part about this whole story is that on the flip side of that, my mom, who who loves Jesus, and she knows very well all of the gruesome details of what would happen to Jesus in an Easter pageant, in an Easter play, she decided it was totally appropriate to take me and my two siblings to go watch that. And everybody in town said, good job, mom, take the kids. So imagine with me for a second, there I am, I'm six years old, and I'm sitting in church, and I'm watching my dad be raised on a cross, crucified for the sins of the world. That'll mess you up, you know what I mean? <laughs> Worse yet, still so strange. I remember this so clearly. Uh, one of the guys playing the Roman centurion that was crucifying my dad, his name is Mr. Matt. He lived down the road from us, and he was my dad's best friend. So <laughs> I don't have friends. You know, I just struggle with that. 
But I think about that story. It's a weird story for, for me growing up. Things don't add up. I mean, dad's playing Jesus. Mom took me to go see all that, and everybody went, good job, right? It was just weird. But because it was so weird and strange, it had my attention to the point that I will remember that story till, till my dying day, whether I want to or not. You know what I mean? So I think about how weird that story was, and it makes me realize this, that I mean, sometimes when we open up the Bible as followers of Jesus, we find some crazy stories, don't we? We find some, some weird, some strange stories, but I think just like with my story, I think in a similar way, God uses things like that, crazy stories in the Bible, to grab our attention, which is good news, especially in our day and age, right, when, when attention spans are getting shorter and shorter, so that's what we're gonna do in this series called When Pigs Fly. We're gonna look at some wild and crazy stories in the Bible and we're gonna let God grab our attention. And through that, he's gonna show us what it's like to follow after him and he's gonna tell us a lot about who he's like and what life looks like with him. So the story that we're gonna look at today, whether you grew up in church like I did or you've never been to church before and this is your first time, uh, you've probably heard of this story before. It's the story of Jonah, You've probably heard about how Jonah was, was God's prophet, about how, how Jonah ran from God. He got on a boat and he ran from God and there was a storm. And then the impossible part of the story is that Jonah was thrown overboard into the sea and swallowed up by a giant fish. And somehow, for three days and three nights, Jonah somehow survived in the belly of this giant fish. And before we actually dive a little bit deeper into really what happened in that story, I want to let you know where we're going today. This is the one thing I want us to pick up and see from Jonah's story all throughout the story. Here's this one simple truth that is, really explains and describes the reality of our situation. And it goes like this. The truth is, you and I, you can run from God, but he won't run from you. That's true, isn't it? We can run from God, but God won't run from us. That is a simple truth, but I think, too, for some of us, that's, that's hard to believe, that God could, could love me like that, could God could love someone like me like that, that he would never walk out on me, that he would always be there with me and for me. Because I think there are some of us, let's just be honest, our lives feel like they are marked by things like guilt and shame. Maybe because of the choices that we made or worse yet, maybe we don't feel like we did anything, but somebody else showed up in our lives. They made a bad call and it fell out on us and did some damage. And so when we hear that God won't run away from us, we think God wouldn't run away from someone like me when pigs fly. And so because of that, I think there are a lot of people in our world and maybe in this room right now that you've spent a long time running from God. And so we have the story of a guy named Jonah who does the same thing. He runs from God. And so as we dive into his story, you need to know this about, about Jonah. He's got one job. He is God's prophet during this time. And prophets do one thing. God speaks to the prophet, and the prophet goes and speaks on behalf of God. They deliver a message to God's people, to their own people, really, the Israelites. Except Jonah. Something different happens for Jonah. Well, I want you to see what the Bible says about that. At the very beginning of his story, it says this. The word of the Lord, that means God, came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God tells Jonah that he needs to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is not Israel. Nineveh is actually a giant city, a great city in the heart of the Assyrian Empire. And during this time, the Assyrians, they're really known for two major things. First, they're known for worshiping a lot of false gods, a lot of false idols. But second, they're known for greatly persecuting and oppressing their enemies Jonah's people make that list. Jonah's people are enemies of, of the Assyrian Empire. And so we can only imagine what, you, what is going through Jonah's mind when God says, Jonah, I want you to get up, I want you to go to your enemies, and I want you to tell them that I've seen their evil, and they need to change. 
Like, I can only imagine that Jonah's going, God, you want me to do what now? You, you want me to go to, to people like that, to those people? You want me to go to, to our enemies, God? Of course they're doing evil things, God. They're evil people. In fact, we find this out at the very end of Jonah's story is that the reason Jonah runs from Nineveh, runs from what God has called him to do, it's not because he's afraid. He's not afraid necessarily of what the people of Nineveh are gonna do to him when he gives them that message. Here's what we find out. The reason Jonah runs, it's hatred. He hates the people of Nineveh. He hates his enemies. He doesn't want his enemies to have a shot at redemption, and so he wants them to continue to be evil, to continue to do evil things so much so that God would show up and wipe them from the face of the earth. He hates them. Now let's hit time out for just a second. Before we judge Jonah too much, how would you respond? How, how would you respond if God showed up in your life and said, I want, I want to use you. I want you to go and deliver a message of, of mercy and grace to your enemies. And some of us right now are going, Tim, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any enemies. People like me, and I like people. You sure? Let, let's dig down a little bit deeper, right? Like, I, I think everybody's We've got a list, right? You've got a list. I've got a list of people we don't like, people we can't stand, okay? And I'm the dude standing here, so let me go first on this. Here's the the first on my list of people I can't stand. Ready? Here's those people to me. Top of my list, I can't stand people who talk during the movies. I said what I said. Listen, if I'm going to pay a whole $12 in this economy to go sit down and watch Disney repackage and recreate uh, and, and eventually ruin a classic movie from my childhood... I know it's gonna be bad, I don't need the commentary, right? How about this, next up on my list, and maybe you can relate to this one a little bit more, I can't stand people who aren't kind to my family, how about you? I can't stand it. I can't stand it when I remember and think about the first boss that my wife ever had when we first got married, the way that that lady spoke down to my wife, talked to my wife like she couldn't do anything right, even though my wife is incredibly talented the way that my wife wouldn't cry just when she got home from work each day, but the way my wife cried even at the thought of going into work in the morning every day, I can't stand that. How about you? How about this next up on my list? Maybe this hits your list too. I can't stand the, the friends that I used to have that stabbed me in the back. The way that those guys during the, the hardest, darkest season of my life, instead of calling and checking on me, they all got together behind my back and talked bad about me. And when I needed those guys that I, I thought were my brothers, when I, I needed those guys to show up for me, they walked out. How about you? Who's on your list? Who, who makes the cut? Who's on your list? And if you're still stubborn and going, Tim, I don't have a list, I promise. Let me help you out. I'll remind you, okay? I'll build your list for you right now. Let me remind you, next year is an election year. <laughs> ah, th- now you got them, right? Those people, people like that. So what I think is interesting, all throughout the story of Jonah, here's something that we pick up from this, this whole story is that God, God loves your enemies. God loves my enemies. And how do we know that? Because before Jesus reached into your life and saved you, pulled you out of the mess that was your life and saved you before that, you were an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God before Jesus. And so now if we claim to follow Jesus, to have a right relationship with God because of Jesus, God has put us on this mission to go to all of the world, to go to all people, yes, even those people on your list, with the message that God does not want to destroy them, God doesn't want their destruction, God wants desperately to have a relationship with them through his son, Jesus. And you know, why would we go to people like that, those people? It's because at one point, you and I, according to God, We were those people too, God, in the way that we treated God through our disobedience and our sin. And see, I think Jonah should know this. 
Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. If Jonah knows this reality, he's not acting like it because he hears God say that he needs to go to his enemies and Jonah says, I'm not doing it, and he runs. And I wanna point something else out that I think sometimes we miss about Jonah. Jonah starts running from God, but in that moment when Jonah begins to run, he doesn't stop being God's prophet. Did you ever pick up on that? He doesn't stop being God's prophet. He doesn't stop being God's man for the job. Jonah never has the moment where he renounces his faith and curses God and stops believing in God. See, Jonah is really religious while he runs from God. And if that's true for him, it's true for us too. That means it is entirely possible for you and me to be in this room right now, to be watching this right now, for us to be really religious, to be in the room and still running from God. Because the moment you start running from God is the moment that you hear God call to you to love others, to serve people, to do the things that God has already told you and I to do, and you begin running the moment you tell God, no, I won't do it. That's what Jonah's done, is he says, God, I'm not gonna do it, and he begins to run. He hops on a boat going the opposite direction of Nineveh as far away as he can, as fast as he can, and while he's on this boat running from God, I want you to see how God responds to Jonah's rebellion, to Jonah running from him. A couple of verses later, it says this, it says, now, uh, now, now uh, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They even threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I want to point something out in those verses that I missed growing up. Who sent the storm? It was God. How is that loving, that God would send the storm into Jonah's life? How is that loving Let's think this through a little bit more. Let me ask you, if you're a parent in the room, let let me ask you, is it loving to scream at your kids? No, right? But but what if I said, what if if your kid was about to ride their bike into oncoming traffic? Would you scream then for them to stop? Of course you would. I would. I did last week. I took my son on a a walk. He was on his little balance bike. He's, He's four years old. And we're on the sidewalk kind of moving towards, towards where it ends and where the street begins. And as we're going, he gets ahead of me. And I said, Levi, you need to slow down and wait for me. And because he's four years old and a boy, he sped up. So as he got further away from me and closer to the start of the street, I, I said, Levi, you need to stop. You need to wait for me. And he didn't. He kept going. And as he got closer and closer to the street, about, about a foot away from the street, I lost it. I screamed. I screamed for him to stop, and he stopped right on the edge of the sidewalk, right before the street, and he immediately started crying because he couldn't understand why I would speak to him that way. But the moment he stopped, a car came flying around the corner and missed him by that much. See, there's nothing I wouldn't do to protect my son from danger. Parents, you feel the same way, right? There's nothing I wouldn't do to protect him from danger, to protect my son from a threat, but get this too, there's nothing I wouldn't do as his father to protect my son from himself. How much more does God feel that way about you and me? How much more does he feel that way about you that you could run from God and he might just send a storm into your life, not to slam you, not to break you or to or knock you down, but, but instead, and even though that storm might be the natural consequences of some of the bad decisions you've made, it's possible that the storm you are experiencing right now, it's possible that it is from God and still for your good. It just doesn't feel good right now, does it? That's where Jonah's at on on this boat in the middle of a storm. 
And he gets up and he starts telling the sailors that, and explaining to these sailors on the boat that he's the reason they're in this mess right now. And somehow, even though the sailors are desperately trying to save Jonah and themselves, somehow Jonah convinces these sailors that they need to throw him overboard into the sea in the middle of the storm. Can you imagine trying to explain that? These sailors having to explain that to their wives when they got home, right? Like, hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, it was pretty good. I went sailing with the fellas. And then, oh, me and the fellas, we had to throw the prophet of God into the sea in the middle of the storm. But Jonah hits that water and we finally come to the impossible when pigs fly moments of this entire story. Jonah hits the water and then the Bible says this. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So we just read about how God sent the storm, but did you notice God provided, that's what the Bible says, that God provided the huge fish to swallow whole. Isn't that a weird choice of words? Don't when you think about it, he provided because, I mean, if you're a parent in here, when you think about providing, you normally think about providing good things, right, for your kids. You, you think of providing food, clothing, shelter, safety, security, love, but a, a giant fish to swallow you whole? And before that, God sent a, a storm. Let's ask the question that we should be asking. How are either of those things good, God? Why, why would we consider those good things that God would, would do that to Jonah? He sends a storm and then he provides a fish? Because here's what else we know. Well, let's go back to the beginning of Jonah's story. He didn't want either of those things. He wasn't asking for those things. Jonah, we know what Jonah wanted. He wanted to stay home with his people. He wanted to be comfortable. But don't miss this because this translates to you. The storm that God sent, the fish that God provided for Jonah, those were signs that God was not done with Jonah. And whatever you're walking through right now, the storm that is raging around you, I promise that is a sign that God is not through with you. The fish in the storm for Jonah, those were proof that God was still chasing after Jonah. Those were proof that God was not walking out or running away from Jonah. But I'm sure for Jonah in the belly of the fish, as it went deeper and deeper into the water, into the darkness, like some of us feel right now, I'm sure for Jonah, it didn't feel good, did it? Truth be told, I know what that's like. You see, just, uh, just right after I graduated from college, I got married to my wife, Natalie, and I spent the next four years, as newlyweds, I spent the next four years working at the church that I had grown up going to as a kid and as a, as a student, and I, I loved that church. I was only supposed to be there for just a year, but uh, man, one year turned into two, and two years turned into four, you know how that goes. But at the end of every 12 months, every year, I had this sense from God, this stirring, where it was like God was looking at me like he looked at Jonah and said, Tim, I need you to get up and move on. I've got something else for you. And just like Jonah, I looked back at God and said, when pigs fly, God, I'm good. I'm I'm not going anywhere. This this is my home. These are my people. I'm comfortable. God, you're going to have to find somebody else. And this was okay, I wasn't making a whole lot of money at this church, uh, but it's all good because if you meet my wife, you'll find out my wife is not only the looks in the relationship, she's also the talent. Because my wife, she had the big kid job. So we were okay, she had the salary, she had health insurance, so, so we, we were covered, we were quietly comfortable, quietly happy for a few years there. And all that changed the day that our first child was born, our daughter Eleanor. On that day, we went to the hospital and... Uh, don't miss this. I watched my wife labor. Uh, my wife was in labor with our daughter. Don't miss this. For 36 hours. That's right. I made a mental note on that day. Don't mess with this woman. She'll break you. <laughs> it's true. But even after all of that work, we still ended up, Natalie still ended up needing to have a last minute C-section. And so that's a, it's a pretty major surgery. So we get Natalie and Eleanor home, our, our little girl Ellie. 
and Natalie's recovering from C-section surgery, but on top of that, once we get home, um, Ellie won't sleep. And I'm not saying this like, oh, you know, first time parents, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, Ellie screamed and she cried day and night. She never stopped. In fact, if she slept for 20, 30 minutes at a time, that, that was considered good, but all day, all night, she was screaming, she was crying. The doctor said, it, it's, it's okay, she just, she just has colic, which I found out later is just fancy doctors speak for it. Your baby cries a lot, and we don't know why. Good luck. So we were exhausted, we were tired. Natalie's recovering from major surgery. Ellie is screaming and crying all the time, and then on top of that, a week later, Natalie's, her, her work called and said, hey, we're shutting down. You don't have a job anymore. So new baby, no insurance, and my job's not going to cover it. You ever been in a spot close to that where you are scared, tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious? How do you respond? Because I got angry. I did. I spent so many, so many sleepless nights out in the dark, pacing in my backyard, telling God he wasn't doing a good job. Telling God that I don't know if he, if he broke this, if he made this mess, but, but whatever, either way, he needs to come in and step in, and he needs to fix this, because God, we're not going anywhere. This is my plan, God. You need to get on board. Funny thing is, God didn't. And he left me there. He was with me, but he left me in the dark for a while. I imagine that's how Jonah felt in the belly of that, that fish for three days and three nights. In the darkness, all Jonah had was prayer. Jonah begins to pray things like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you hear me, God. I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but, but I know that you're with me. At one point towards the end of his prayer, he says, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know this, salvation comes from the Lord. If you're in the middle of it right now, that's a really good prayer to pray, isn't it? I don't know, God, what you're doing, but I know this, salvation comes from you. See, my wife and I, we had to come to a point like that in the middle of the hardest, worst season of our life. We had to come to a point where we let go of and surrendered our wants, our desires, we had to let go of our feelings and surrender that to, to God, put our full faith in God and where he was leading us to go and what he was leading us to do, but that took some time. That was a hard and a dark season for us until one day a mentor of mine, he called me and he said, listen, Tim, I know things have been hard for you. I know things have been really rough on you guys. I know you wanna stay where you're at, but have you ever heard, heard have you ever thought about applying at this church? It's called a sagebrush. And I said, that big old church? Nah, they'd never consider me. And I don't know why, but 30 minutes later, I applied, had an interview, and that's been six years since I, since I did that. Um, <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> See, because on, on top of that, I, I can look back over the last six years, because as we came out of that storm, as we came out of the depths and the darkness, and I can look at everything that God has done through this church, all the people's lives that we've seen change through this church, that God has used this church to do and continues to use this church to change lives. I can look at that. I look at all the things that my wife and I have gotten to be a part of through this church as well, the things that have grown and stretched us in really good ways. I can look at how this church has loved my family, my kids. I can look at all of that and think about the storm that God sent into our lives and six years later, I still thank God that he sent the storm. I still thank God that he loved us enough to do that for us, to grab our attention, to get us to go where he was calling us to go so that we could step into the full, the abundant life that God has for us. Now don't miss this, I would never, <laughs> I'd never wanna go through that darkness again, right? Like you couldn't pay me to go through that again but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Never thought I'd say that. 
So what about for you? Is it possible that the, the darkness that you're walking in right now, the storm that is raging around you, is it possible that God has sent that for your good? Because he is still chasing you, because he still is trying to get your attention so that he can get you to move where he wants you to go, to be who he's created you to be so that you can reach the people that God put you on this earth to reach. I ask that because Jonah never figured this out. This is one major lesson that Jonah never figures out in, the entire, in his entirety of his story. He misses this one. See, Jonah's in the belly of this fish. He has a good time praying with God. And then three days later, the fish vomits Jonah up onto the land. And then get this, Jonah begrudgingly goes to Nineveh and says, you guys need to change your ways. And the people actually do it. They turn from their evil. And because the people turn from their evil, God doesn't destroy the city. Everything works out. This giant city is saved. And Jonah, he's mad about it. In fact, the last words we, ever, we have recorded of Jonah speaking, it's in a conversation with God. When Jonah realizes that God isn't gonna destroy the city, he goes outside the city and he pouts and he's angry and he's mad. And so God speaks to Jonah and says, hey, Jonah, I know you feel angry right now. And then God says this, are you right to be angry? Jonah, are you right to feel the way that you feel right now? Are you right to be angry? And Jonah's words are this, I am. I am right to feel the way I feel. You ever met somebody like that? They say they love God, but boy, are they mad about it? Friends, don't let that be the end of your story, how your story ends. Don't let your feelings run your faith. I mean, let's, let's play back Jonah's story because Jonah's story for a lot of us, it's a warning. Play it back, Jonah's feelings were the reason that he ran from God in the first place. Jonah's feelings were what got him into trouble in the first place. Not only did it get Jonah in trouble, it got, it got the people around Jonah in trouble. Those sailors, they were having a great day until Jonah showed up with the storm. Just like when you and I make some bad calls in our lives, it falls out on the people around us. All because Jonah put his feelings over his faith. He wanted to pursue his feelings instead of pursuing who God had called him to be and what God had called him to do. So truth be told, there are some of us in here right now and you're looking at what God has asked you to do, where God is asking you to go. You've looked at some of the things that God has asked you to change and you've been like me and you've been like Jonah and you've looked at God and said, I will do that when pigs fly because I don't feel like it. Some of us in here are upset, we are frustrated, and we are angry with God because we think God's ultimate concern in our life, it should be giving us what we think we deserve, that we should be comfortable. Some of us have bought into the lie that the American dream is also God's dream for us. I'll give you a reality check. I can't find that in the Bible. Cover to cover, it's not there. I mean, if we look at just Jonah's story, God's biggest concern for Jonah is not how comfortable he is, is it? No, God's biggest concern is the same thing that makes Jonah so upset and so mad at God because God's biggest concern is seeking and saving the lost, the broken, the needy, the ones that are far away from God. Friends, that hasn't changed. You see, this is the only thing that Jonah gets right in this entire story. The only thing Jonah knows and knows rightly is who God is and what God is like. Because again, after Jonah realizes that God isn't gonna destroy the city of Nineveh, he gets mad and he argues with God and in that he describes what God is like. Look at what Jonah says in his prayer. He says, hey God, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish because I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, that you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. 
You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And then he gets a little dramatic. Just kill me now, Lord. Because I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted with what I want will not happen. This is a warning to us. See, if you want to make sure, do you want to make sure that you're living a life where you are running with God and not from God? Then today you have to make a decision that you're not going to let your feelings lead your faith. In fact, you're going to let it be the other way around, that your faith is going to lead your feelings, that your faith is going to determine how you feel about your circumstances. Your faith is going to change and determine and influence how you feel about people, even those people. So let's see how we're doing with this, because Jonah says that God is, is gracious. So ask yourself, are you gracious? Are you gracious the way that with other people, the same way that God is gracious to you? or with the people that are closest to you in your life, like your family, your friends, your spouse, or maybe even your coworkers or your employees, when they make a mistake, are you gracious in understanding that God is with you? Jonah says that God is really compassionate. Are, are you compassionate? Do you see a need? Do you see someone hurting? Do you see someone that needs help? And are you willing to actually do something about it, to sacrifice your comfort and your wants to make a difference? Jonah also says that God is slow to anger. Are we slow to anger? Or do we fly off the handle instead of being full and abounding in love like God is for us? How about this? I'll give you one more. It comes from the New Testament, but I think this describes what frustrated Jonah so much about God. 2 Peter 3.9 says this about God. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So this means two things for us. First, if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, then this verse is your verse. This verse is your heartbeat that none should perish, not our families, not our friends, not our coworkers, not, not our bosses, not anyone that God has put in our path, even those people. Because we know this is true. If they matter to, God, to us, if they matter to God, then they should matter to us. And so truth be told, if we're living lives where we are running with God, then it is not okay for us to be comfortable with just having our church friends. It's not okay. You and I have been put on this mission to, to pass the message of Jesus all over the place to all people, whether we like them or not. And God has put you on that mission. God has called you to go. And so I have to ask you a tough question that I think you already know the answer to. Who is it for you? Who is it for you that needs to hear the story of how Jesus saved you, about how you were once in a storm, about how you once were in the depths and in the darkness, and Jesus reached in and pulled you out and saved you? Who in your life needs to hear that? I think you already know the answer. So let me ask you a tougher question. Have you already said no for that person? Like, no, nah, there's no way they want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about church or life. They don't want to talk about those things. Friend, I see this all over the story of Jonah. God has called you and me to go. So are you running from God in this area of your life? So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. If you're in here and you, are, you feel like you are in the middle of a storm, like you are in the middle of darkness, I want you to hear this. That is not, God didn't send that into your life to destroy you, to crush you, even though it feels like it might. God sent that to get your attention because he loves you, because he is chasing after you. You might be running from God, but I promise, friend, God is not running from you. So I want you to know, if, you're, if, you feel, if you're in here and you feel like you're running from God, I want you to know this, you have a choice today. If you're the one running from God, you can choose any time to stop running, and I promise, friend, 
If you would stop running, even though you're in the middle of a storm, you would turn around and you would see God right there with you in the middle of the storm with arms open wide, waiting to take you and pull you out of an ordinary life and lead you into an impossible, when pigs fly kind of life. The question you have to answer today is, when are you going to stop running? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. God, I thank you that no matter what we face, no matter who we are, no matter where, what we've been through in this life, that God, you loved us enough to make a way back home to you, Father. That God, no matter what happens in this life, you care about us. And God, you, you care so much, not just to sit idly by, but God, you pursue us, you chase after us. So God, I pray for those of us in here that we feel like we are in the middle of the darkness, that we are in the middle of the storm. God, I pray that like Jonah, we would pray that prayer of salvation comes from you. I don't, God, I don't know what you're doing, but God, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna lean on you. God, I pray that you'll use those things like in a way that only you can for good. That God, you would turn darkness into morning. God, I also pray for us, for those of us in here that we have been running from you for a long time for whatever reason. Maybe it's because we've made some bad choices and we think we're, we're beyond forgiveness or maybe it's because of something that happened to us. God, I pray that we would bring that to you. That God, we would trust you, that we would stop running, we would turn around and we would see you there. God, I pray that you would lead us. God, I pray that we would see you moving in our lives, that we would see where you're taking us and where you're leading us, that God, we would hold on to you as you lead us into a full and abundant life. Father, we know that you're faithful to do that. We know that you're faithful to be with us because you proved that. You proved that you can be trusted and that you are faithful when you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that God, we could know you. So that God, even when we are running, even when we are going through a storm, God, you are with us. So it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.